Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to our sermon series, The Road Called Discipline. This series will unpack how we can know God deeper and glorify Him wider through biblical exercises that lead to more disciplined disciples. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everybody. We are out of seats. To God be the glory. Amen. Hey, some of you guys were a bringer, and um, if you're a guest with us here at Church 213, God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. As Pastor Dom said, uh, we were pushing 100 signed up for small group, and so some of the, uh, <clears throat> some of the responsibilities this week was looking around going, where are we going to put these people? We know what the Lord Jesus says, you catch them, and I'll figure out what's next. Amen? Amen. So that's, that's what we're about. Uh, that's what we're about. So week two. Into 2023, are you settled in yet? 2022, wow. I mean, it was, it was like a flash. At least it was, at least it was for our family. And so um, I'm just thankful to be here. Thank you guys for making Church 213 a priority in your life and making Jesus a priority. There are definitely other things you could have been doing right here in this moment. But Scripture says, do not forsake the assembly of believers together because there's power there. And so we're going to jump right in. Uh, some of you guys have probably <clears throat> already forgotten about all those things that were on the tree two weeks ago. It's possible that some of your kids have already broken something that you spent hours putting together. It's possible something out in the yard that you bought them has already disappeared. Okay, we had a cat up here, but it has now disappeared. And then it reappeared. And so I gently relocated it to somewhere in Monticello. It was my dad's house. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so we didn't expect that gift, but some, you know, sometimes you just, you just have those gifts. One Christmas, uh, I received something that I really wanted. Uh, my cousin had one of these, and I played with it a few times in the summer. And so when Christmas rolled around, I made sure that it was on my list. It was a Chinese throwing ninja star. It was, it, was, uh, it was matte black. It had a red dragon on it. I can still see it. It had eight little bitty tiny, any, uh, little tiny spikes. They weren't very sharp. I mean, I doubt you could pop a balloon with it. But for me, I could not wait to get out and, and channel my inner ninja. And so as soon as I got this throwing star, <clears throat> uh, you know, I went outside and, and I began at targets that were close range. But it didn't take long for me to back away and just to see how good I had become with this throwing star after about five minutes. And I, and I lined it up and, and I took aim and, and, I, and I, I picked out the biggest tree in the yard and I let it fly. And that's the last time I ever saw that ninja star. <laughs> the last thing I heard was metal glancing off that tree. And into the bushes it went. Now, I didn't chalk it up and forget about it and just go inside. I retraced my steps. Are y'all picturing this? I mean, I went back and, and, I, and I retraced my steps to the release point where I saw it go into the underbrush. And I looked. And I looked. And I looked. I made a grid pattern. I lifted every branch. Every rock. Every leaf. And there was nothing. 
I searched with discipline on finding what I knew. Y'all, I knew it was right under my face. It was just hidden from sight. And so I disciplined myself. I mean, even today, I can take you. I can take you right now to the patch of trees that ate my Christmas ninja star. (laughs) And, And it's still there somewhere. But I searched and I searched and I searched. See, there was, two dis- there was two reasons that I pursued that star with such discipline. There's two reasons I pursued that star with such discipline. Because of the giver and because of the future. And here's what I mean by that. See, my mom was a single mother that Christmas. And so I knew the sacrifice it took for her to provide gifts for us. I also know that there was enjoyment for the days ahead. And so... What did I do with discipline? I searched with that gift that was made possible for me through extreme sacrifice. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? So how does that roll into 2023? Well, with, with New Year comes all these new hopes, all these, all these ideas, these new hopes, these new dreams. You've already said it. Some people say resolutions. I don't like to see resolutions because that's just something else that I have to forget about. But I've seen the post already. I've seen all these things like, this is the year I'm going to, right? And you fill in the blanks. This is it. This is, this is, this is the year I get ready. See, when I lost that star, I did more than just want to find it. I, um, I made a disciplined plan to look for it because of how much I valued the excellent gift. And so with that idea, we're launching into a brand new series that I'm calling The Road Called Discipline. The Road Called Discipline. Obviously, you see week one right there, uh, godliness is found through discipline. And so I want, the, I want you to get that idea, that, that, that visible but yet mental image in your head of the road called discipline as we roll in 2023. <clears throat> this is something I've been wanting to develop and preach for a while, but... God's timing just wasn't there, but this is, this is it. And I am, I am so excited because of so many people here and what, what this series can do for us as a collective body when we really live out what we've seen, that God is holy and this is holy ground and he's all around and he wants to use us and equip us. See, I have no doubt that God has made the greatest sacrifice in the Lord Jesus and has given the Holy Spirit as our guide through this life. And so there's no doubt in my mind that what does God desire? He desires a greater pursuit of Him. Amen? Because of the deposit that grace was made in my life and in your life. God made that deposit in us through the gift of the Spirit. And, and hopefully you want that pursuit. You, you, you want to take that next step. You want to get to the end of this year and say, okay, I accomplished something with the Lord. I hope you want that. I want that. But listen, here's what I want you to know. Hoping isn't a strategy. Y'all with me? Hope's not a strategy. It's just a want. You know, you you say things like maybe you roll into 2023 and say, I hope my family is stronger this year. And me too. I do. I want my relationships to be healthier. Maybe you say... I want my mind more at ease. 
I want to be less anxious. I want to be less irritable. Y'all, I've prayed all these prayer, prayers. I want to be less, less likely to have a short fuse. I, want, I, want, I hope to be more aware of God's blessings over my life. I want more of Him and less of me. I hope, I want, I hope, I want. But listen, those are great things to want for. But you can want, and you can want, and you can want. But without a plan of action, you're going to get to the end of this year, maybe six months in, maybe 12 months in at the end, and you think, man, I, things really don't look a lot different than they did when I made the 2022-23 turn. Because hope's not a strategy. Your walk with the Lord, catch this, it's the culmination of your daily routines. Amen? That's just the reality of it. You are what you pursue. You are what you pursue. And what our theme verse is here at, at Church 213, is Philippians 213. For it is God who works in us so that we can will and work according to His good purposes. The idea is pursuit. The giver and the future. Praise God. So you can do more than want. You, you, can, you can seek Him. There's a hymn that says, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk, let me walk close to thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close with thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. I was practicing singing that, but my family vetoed it <laughs> last night. <laughs> Parker's like, Dad, stay in your lane. I'm like, all right, all right, okay. I love you. Nobody asked you. But here's the thing. By God's grace, we can pursue Him. Amen? By His grace, we can pursue Him. So the question that you may be asking is, Pastor Ryan, how do I pursue Him? I mean, I want that. I hope for that. How does that happen? It's right there. It's a road called what? Discipline. It's a road called discipline. Let's take our Bibles. First Timothy. So it's kind of the back. New Testament. You have... <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah, go ahead and stand. We're going to, if you're willing and able, we're going to be in 1 Timothy. We're going to be in 1 Timothy. Uh, while you're standing, let me, let me give you just a little bit of background while you're working there. If you read the book of Acts, it ends with Paul in prison in Rome. But there was this brief time between after the book of Acts was closed that Paul was released from prison around 62 A.D. And what he did was in this interim is he made one last push to Spain. Acts 1.8 says when the power of God is gifted and deposited into us as believers, you are to go and you are to spread the message and proclaim the glory of God to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Paul would have absolutely uh, uh, have had this in his mind as he was moving in that brief period after his release. And so what's going on is, is Paul was teaching pastors and church leaders before he was imprisoned how to live for the glory of God before he was rearrested and martyred in 67 A.D. 
So you've got this five years that Paul was thought that, that he went to Spain, which in that time would have been the ends of the earth. So guess what? Paul's doing exactly what he's saying. That's as far as he could go. He thought that was it. Praise God. He took it so serious that when he was released for a brief amount of time, he's like, I got one more shot to do what Jesus has called me to do. And so I'm going to go all the way to the English Channel. I'm going to look out and go, this is it. And in that moment, he realized that his ministry was over. And so First and Second Timothy and Titus kind of comes out of that period. This is called the pastoral epistles. These three letters were written during that five-year span. And so they kind of are packaged together. Timothy had been left in Ephesus to handle false teaching. Titus had been left in Crete to give strength to an unhealthy church. And so what we see is these writings are to these young church leaders and ministers to how to live for the glory of God in a hostile world as he was awaiting to be martyred by the emperor. Man, that... That's worth standing for, amen? And so let's read together 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. So this is to Timothy. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teachings that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. For the training in the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and it deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people especially of those who believe. You guys can be seated. See, we've been given, as Christ followers, an indescribable gift in the Holy Spirit that acts, <clears throat> that acts as our GPS. We aren't alone, church. Yes, Jesus absolutely had to ascend because, as he says, if I don't ascend, the great helper can't be with you. In his humanity, he was just able to equip and encourage those small amount of people that were around him. But when he ascended, he gave us an indescribable implantation of the gift in the Spirit of God so that all people can now live for him to the ends of the earth. And so this gift of holiness, this gift of salvation leads to, to an instruction. And that's what Paul is doing. Let's, I want you to face this. Small decisions turn into great distances, don't they? You, you know, you ever look around and go, how in the world did I get here? You can't just leap in, in large places. You get there by just one small step at a time. You ever walk somewhere and look back and go, wow, I did really good. How did I get this far? Well, it's very small, intentional decisions. You, you are a culmination of your decisions. You look around and you're like, how did I get here? What we see in Scripture is there are things that we should be doing that maybe we're not. There's also things that we should not be pursuing that maybe we are. These are called the sins of 
commission and the sins of omission. Commission means like what you are doing. and Omissions are the things that you should be doing that you're not. They're both equally disobedience. Delayed, I, sometimes I tell the kids, delayed obedience is disobedience. And so with the word of God, there are, there are movements that we ought to be making. And, and, and when you think about that, it's what we omit from our lives that will most often hold us back from experiencing God to just absolutely blow in your mind. Seeing God in His fullness, usually you can't see those things because of something that you omit from your life. It's something that you're neglecting that caused you to be locked in and have blinders on. Not necessarily what you do, but are y'all with me? Often, so many times, what we don't do that we know we should be doing, but we neglect those things. And so the foundation of our series is going to be built on that. It's, it's, the, it's the sins of omission. We're going to make that 2023 turn. And we're going to do more than just hope and more than just want that our lives look different. 306, what is it? I'm a preacher, I ain't a math major. A heap. A heap. A heap of days from now. I want you to look back. Heap is a a Hebrew word. You want to look back and go, you know what? I intentionally did things different. And those things that I was hoping for and those things that I was wanting for are actually a reality in my life. Let's read verse 6 again together. 1 Timothy 4, 6 says this. If you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, which is what we're doing, You'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Nourished by the words of faith. And the good teachings that you have followed. Verse 7. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves. Train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. One more time for the people in the back. Train yourself for godliness. Here's some things you need to know. The highest calling on the life of a Christian is godliness. The highest calling on the life of a Christian is godliness. See, if you look at verse 6, it says, if you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. That's their own purpose. When you think of good servant, Good, right here in this context, it means noble, it means admirable, it means excellent, of the highest degree. There's going to be a good game on tomorrow, of the highest degree. This was a good meal. You with me? That was a good meal. Fill in the blank. It's of the highest degree. The second word is servant. The servant there is not necessarily what's being done, but it's to the highest degree of how it's being done. It's the, it's the word for slave. And so if you put the two together, what Paul is telling Timothy is, hey, to be an excellent slave, do these things. Being being. Being fit and available for service, y'all, is always the key. That's the heart of Paul. Being fit and available for service 
is always the key. That's the key to good, uh, to good service at your meal, right? When you go out to eat. You want excellent service. Well, what is that? It is being fit and available. It's being ready. It's being of the highest detail and attention. The great Puritan pastor John Owen wrote, Our church leader may fill his pews and pulpit, but what the person is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is and no more. And so the highest pursuit that any of us can have in life is therefore being like Christ. It's learning. It's following. If you think about it like that, God will bring from our lives what he wants. All we have to do as branches is just stay connected and do what he wants us to do. Does it take faith? Does it take work? Yes, absolutely it does. But never forget, you have to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is, right? That's where the fruit is. It's, it's, on, the, it's on the edge of the, of, the, of the vine which connected it to, 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 to the branches which connected to the vine, which is the source. That's what Jesus talks about. And John, write this down. Spiritual fruit is God's work when we follow close, not our effort to prove we are close. Man, I hope that, I hope that hits a heart this morning. Spiritual fruit is God's natural work when we follow close, not our effort to prove that we are close. It is a gift of God. Not of me and not of you, lest anybody should boast. Because if we could produce spiritual fruit on our own, you know, if we could just strain hard enough. Faithfulness. You know, you come in here and you strive and you just sing like, if I could just sing a little louder. Servanthood. There it is. No, you follow close. You draw up close. And if you think about that like, like that, when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, and he was right there, and, and he's with the, the seashore with Peter, James, and John. What did he say? He said, come and follow me, and I will make you. I will make, right? He didn't say, you're going to have to go and create this in yourself. He's like, you just follow me. And this was crazy, because those guys were not excellent in the Old Testament law. They were fishermen. See, that's significant. Because if they were equipped in proficiency in Old Testament law, they would have excelled in school and they would have been promoted and they would have gone to the next graduate level. And they would have gotten to a point where their education and knowing those details would have caught the eye of a rabbi. And that rabbi would have said, this one, this one's got what it takes. Branson, Branson, I want you to come and follow me. And he would, have, he would have become his rabbi's disciple. But look, these boys look like rabbis. <laughs> Disciples? No, they're wearing camo. They're like, we're going to be hunting for something. We're going to be fishing for something. And so when, when Jesus comes along to, to Peter, James, and John, he's like, follow me. There's Jesus. He's a teacher of unmatched authority. And he's believing that these fishermen could be his disciples. And so they're like, this is unbelievable. He wants us. Of course, 
they would drop their nets and they would follow. You see the, you see the implications there? It's not that they were just tired of cutting bait and they wanted something else to do. No, that this, this man, this miracle worker, this, this rabbi that was getting the attention of thousands around the area wanted them. And he wanted to be their rabbi. Which means he thought they could do what he was doing. And that's the case for believers today. The, the, the case is that not, not only do we believe in Christ, but Christ sees the usefulness in us to God be the glory, right? Good service. Can you believe? God sees the usefulness in you. And so he implants his spirit in you to draw it out of you as good servants. The highest quality. He's saying, you can do, you can do this. You can absolutely, I believe in you. See, people, I believe in God, but I really believe God believes in us. Through the power of the Spirit, He implants in us. And so there's never a moment that God has given up on your usefulness because that would mean that His power is limited and we know that Jesus has unmatched power and authority. So by the grace of God, you are of extreme and utmost usefulness to the kingdom. And Paul wanted these guys to do more than just want the will of God. He wants them to actually become what they are supposed to be. So the question is, what is that? What is it? Well, it's to be like Christ. It's holiness. That's the end game. That's the only game. That's the fruit we're to seek. Right there. If you think about the original language, the words discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, the way it's arranged, it's a command. It makes it plain. It's, it's not a suggestion. Holiness is not an option for those who claim to be the chosen ones of God. It's just not. You, say, well, you know, I can do this and this. No, not really. You, not, you can't. You, you know, it's not a shock for the soldier or, or a player to be expected to wear the, the issued uniform. You would expect when you roll into the game, you know, today or tomorrow, everybody is in uniform. Why? Because they're expected. Why? Because they're a part of the team. And so as Christ followers, we are expected to wear the uniform that Christ gives us when we place our faith and our trust in Him. And what is that uniform? It is the fruit that goes out of our life as we seek godliness. What is the uniform? It's holiness. That's the uniform. Are we expected to wear the uniform? Yes. Yes. We have to remember Jesus calls us to follow him because he believes we can be like him. Then what is he? I'm breaking these questions down for you. If we are to be like Christ, we are to go out on a limb to get that fruit. What is that fruit actually Look like what is the purpose? Well, the purpose is to be like him, living a life, living a life that mirrors the character and the conduct of the incarnate Son of God. Scripture is full of just that. Look at First Peter, First Peter chapter one, thirteen through sixteen. It says this.
Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who calls you is holy. So you also are to be holy in your conduct. That's the uniform we're called to put on right there. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You see that transfer? God's plan wrote in the code of creation that every Christian will ultimately be conformed to the conduct and to the character of the Lord Jesus. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 8. Romans 8, 29 says this. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It's a foreshadowing to what God is accomplishing ultimately in me and in you. Now, we're going to be conformed to the Christ likeness at death. If you've placed, if you made a confession of faith. If there's a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus, you're going to conform to perfect character and conduct at death. Now, we don't literally become Jesus. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. The point is, we finally become perfect in our ability to please the Father. In heaven, a Christian's moral free will and our minds and our resurrected body will be eternally changed in the twinkling of an eye to be fruitful for God and multiply for His glory. In the twinkling of an eye, the Bible tells us that will happen. In the twinkling of an eye, it's the original garden mandate. Adam and Eve. The mandate of Adam and Eve was to be fruitful, which just means productive, and multiply to expand that productivity. What, is, what are they to be productive doing? Taking care of the things God had put in their hands for His glory and expand that glory throughout the garden. That was, that was the role. That was the job. And in heaven, you say, well, we're going to be sitting around on harps. What are we going to be doing for eternity? No, that's not. That's so, so incorrect. When you think about heaven, it is heaven on earth. It is doing what Adam and Eve were supposed to do. And that is to managing creation with the talents and natural passions and desires that God has put in us for all of eternity, expanding the garden. We're just going to be gardeners for His glory in our resurrected bodies for all of eternity. But while we're here, are we supposed to just be waiting for heaven? No. We're not just supposed to be waiting. We are to pursue holiness. Knowing that ultimate righteousness and ultimate Christ-likeness is, is to come. But what do we do now? Do we just sit back and wait for the coffin? No. We are to pursue holiness right here to be fruitful for God and to multiply His glory. Jesus says, My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus rolls up on the scene. John the Baptist looks at Jesus in, in the very beginning of John and he's like, the kingdom of God is at hand. And So what do they mean by that? It means we are to start the process of expanding the garden 
on this side of the grave. We have a job to do now. We are to be gardeners now. Are y'all, is, that, is this making sense? We have a responsibility for godliness and for holiness right now because this is the end of the age. And that, that clock started ticking when the grave became empty. The end of the age began right there. You guys ever watch a chess match? You're sitting at the table. They make a move and they hit that little clock sitting next to the table. What does that mean? It means it's the next person's move. And then when they make a move, they hit it. And it's the next person's move. It goes back and forth, right? See, when the grave was, when Jesus robbed the grave of death, our move. At the second coming, it's done. Game over. Right? So we're in between making those moves right now. Hebrews 12 talks about just this. Hebrews 12, um, starting in verse 12. Is it back there? Y'all turn with me. Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 12. So it's 1, 2, Peter. And then you're going to roll on from there, so just take a right. Hebrews 12, verse 12. Hebrews 12. 12 says, therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. So pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. What's going on here, the primary pursuit of our lives is holiness, is to be set apart, is to build up the people around us, is to be different. Because sanctification is more than just avoiding error. Remember, it's omission. It's being, it's being molded by the hands of a master. So the question that that leads for believers to ask is, PR, how, how, do, how do I pursue godliness? How can I actually live like Jesus? How, how does that actually happen? Give me something practical I can hold on to. Well... Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Verse 7, this is the answer to the question that I just asked. If we're called to godliness because Christ is holy, If that is our pursuit, how do we actually get there? Paul lays it out for Timothy in verse 7. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. The idea there is just distractions. This is it. This is the foundation for the series. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. That's it. 
Last week, 3 John 1, 2, I said, hey, that might be a good memory verse for you. Great, this is another good one. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Train yourselves in godliness. It's called the road to discipline. How do we get there? It's the road called discipline. Train yourself for godliness. James, uh, I'm, I'm 1 Timothy 4, 7. Why is that important? What's the second handle for you this morning? Godliness is paved on the disciplines of spiritual things. Godliness, this is it, is paved on the road of spiritual disciplines. It's, it's, godliness is paved on the, the disciplines of spiritual things. So I want you guys to hang with me. Um, because I think if we, can, if we can lock into this together as a church, as a unified body, and we go all in for the next 12 weeks, give or take, it will create passion and purpose and purity in this place that a church in this place has never experienced. Train yourselves for godliness. I'm committing to it. And I'm, and I'm asking you to join with me. I'm asking you to join with, with my family in seeking to be like Christ in the spiritual disciplines. The road called discipline. So you may ask, well, Pastor, what are spiritual disciplines? A discipline like punishment? Like, are you going to take your Bible and, you know, like a ruler? Are you going to take the Bible to, to my hand? That's not the idea of discipline. Write this down. This is it. The spiritual disciplines are personal and church exercises that promote spiritual growth. And I want to humbly ask you to take the challenge to be here as much as possible to work out this thing in your own heart for 2023 and together, together as a church family. And so what are we going to be doing? Well, every week, what I, what I plan to do is to ask you to exercise your spiritual life with specific exercises so that the Spirit of God will, will fuel you to pursue godliness. Remember, we are to train ourselves to godliness. Godliness is the pursuit. But how do we get there? It's through the spiritual disciplines. It's the intentional plan. Think about, think about, think about the gym for a minute. When you walk into a gym, there's different machines. Those different machines have different purposes. And if you're new to a gym, you'll walk in and you'll sit down at this machine that looks like some type of torture device, and you think, how am I supposed to be using this thing? And so most big box gyms, if you look on the side of their machines, there's instructions that says put your hand here, put your hand here, push this way, pull this way, do this, don't do this. In case of emergency, call 911. <laughs> it's, it's the instructions. Why? Because in order to properly use that particular exercise machine to discipline yourself for the purpose of that design, there are instructions. And so what we're going to be doing 
for the next 12 weeks or so is we're going to be working through, biblically, different exercises in our pursuit of godliness. And I'm telling you, just watch what God will do. And your hopes and your wants become reality. This isn't a pie-in-the-sky, feel-good type thing. I'm talking about when you are disciplined toward godliness and you put together a plan, you can do more than just hope for your family. Amen? You can do more than just hope for your impact at school and work. You can do more than just hope that God's hand of favor and His blessings will not be poured out over your life because 1 Samuel 2.30 says, God honors those that honor Him. And you start walking in line with God and you start feeling His protection and His provisions and you get to the end of a heap of days at the end of this year. You're like, wow, look what God has done. Look what God has done. And so I've kind of named, I'm not going to list them all for you, but I've just kind of named some different exercises we're going to be working through, like the Bible Belt, the Word Press, Prayer Pools, Handstands, Go and Show, Back Day, The Mirror, Off Day. All of these spiritual disciplines that if we will add to our lives a little more throughout this year, like private and prayer, uh, private and corporate worship, Prayer, evangelism, service, stewardship, fasting, silence, journaling. I mean, these are exercises. You're walking into the gym of godliness going, okay, there's, there's specific things I can work out with. I can build my spiritual gym here. And see, whether we admit it or not, we are creatures of habit, aren't we? For the most part, you sit the same place every week. You didn't buy that chair. I didn't assign it to you. You didn't get an email like a theater. You go to the same place because it's part of who you are. And the more, the more things we consistently do, the more natural they become. And the reality is, I cannot endure the Christian life without disciplines because a lukewarm faith always travels downhill. When you neglect the spiritual disciplines, sin takes root. It will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I'm saying at the end of 2023, I want us to be more godly as a church family than we've ever been and see the blessing of God flow. That's, that's my desire. It's God in me, and it's God through me that creates a good servant, period. And so what Paul is telling us right here is that it's only through being disciplined in spiritual things that we will become Christ-like people. There's no other way. That is the only path. Look at verse 7. but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. Train yourself. You see the word? Some of your translations might say discipline yourself. Discipline and train. It's the Greek word, gudmazo. Gudmazo. It's where we get our word gymnasium. You follow it out. Gudmazo. What Paul is telling Timothy is, hey, if you want to be a good servant and you want to pursue godliness, you need to 
train yourselves for it. You need to discipline yourself. Intentional steps, not just large leaps. And I'm talking about every day training, aerobics, work it out. The word gudmazo, it means, it means to train vigorously. But actually it takes a step further. It goes a step further. It means to train vigorously naked. Awkward. <laughs> Y'all, let's think about that. Why would the word, why would the word mean to train vigorously naked? Because nobody works out in a suit. Right? You want to eliminate distractions. You want to, you want to, you want to um, limit what you wear so that you can get the most out of your workout. There's a story of Reggie White. I don't know if some of you guys know Reggie White. He was a fantastic football player and he was a godly man. And he was a veteran and he was a, played for the Packers for many years. And uh, they were having training camps so the rookies had reported for training camp that he was a veteran and they were having a veteran's dinner. And so while they're having a veteran's dinner all dressed up in the suit, the rookies are in there doing a preseason workout. You know, and all the rookies, you know, they want to establish their dominance and their strength. And so it was just some god-awful amount of weight that none of us can even dream of pressing. But these rookies were in there, and they were just pumping it out. And, you know, one of them really pride-filled his life, and he's like, where's Reggie? Like, well, actually, Reggie's in another building in a dinner. He's like, go get Reggie. And so they said, uh, are you sure? Well, he didn't really want Reggie. But somebody went over to the dinner, and they're like, hey, Reggie. There's this young rookie, and he's on the bench press, and he's like, where's Reggie? And he said, Reggie just quietly gets up in his suit, walks across the foyer, through the hallway, through the breezeway, walks into the gym where all the rookies are, sits down at the bench, takes his suit coat off, lays down to whatever amount of weight that young rookie was pressing, and pushes it 40 times. And every rep, he's looking at the rookie. 20, 30. And finally, the rookie just nodded his head. The story goes, he racks it up, gets up, puts his suit coat back on, and goes back to dinner. Here's what I'm saying. The reason that he took his suit coat off is he didn't want anything hindering his ability to pursue that weight. But this is not just a first century idea. I mean, if you, if you go by anywhere, if you're serious about working out, you're going to minimize what is of no value to your work. Because they get in your way. It, it's, 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 it's unnecessary fabric. I mean, if you go by the gym, that, that Greek, this Greek idea is still played out. I don't, I don't, I'm just going to put it out there, okay? Workout clothes are teetering on the line of indecent exposure. Somebody needs to call the cops. And there's some workout outfit that have no business leaving the house. Amen? Okay, I'll keep moving. But here's my Planet Fitness point. The point is this. What is being attempted is that... Is it People in the gym are attempting to get in the best workout possible for the limited time that they have in the gym and to omit distractions 
so that they can discipline themselves for physical fitness. But most of the time, it's only for vanity and physical strength. It's for pride, isn't it? And so is there any, if you think about a culture and moral freefall, is there any, is there any um, surprise that the reason that people are working out leads to the reason why they look the way they do when they're working out? It's because they're in pursuit of something. Pursuit of something of this world. But guess what? We are not of this world. Right? I mean, look at, look at the text. It goes on. It lays it right out. For training of the body has limited benefit. I'm not saying don't work out. I know this is not our home and we're passing through. But you need to watch your LDLs, okay? It says... It's beneficial. It says the training of the body is limited to benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. For this reason, we labor and we strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. How much, how much more time should we be focusing this year on eliminating distractions that lead us away from godliness? What's got our attention? What's, what's holding you? Where are you disciplining, disciplining yourself in this moment? What small steps do you intentionally take every day that's leading you down some path because we're all headed somewhere, one small step at a time, right? What's got your attention this morning? If the pursuit is godliness and the road to get there is paved on disciplines, what do you discipline yourself by doing? Is it likes and swipes? Is it an earthly focus? There was this bodybuilder visiting an African tribe. and The tribal chief was amazed at his physique. I mean, this guy, this guy had it going on. He, he, was, he, was, he was ripped up. And so the chief asked the bodybuilders, like, what do you do with all those muscles? And the bodybuilder said, well, it's probably easier if I show, show it to you than explain. So he goes in all of these different positions to show off his physique. I mean, the biceps, the triceps, the back, Front lat spread. Then he went into a, a front double bicep. And after this presentation, the chief said, now that is impressive, but I've got a second question. What else do you do with all those muscles? And the bodybuilder said, well, I mean, that's pretty much it. I work out so that I can look in the mirror. And the chief said, what a waste. What a waste. See, what Paul is reminding Timothy of is we've got to avoid being so earthly focused that we're no heavenly good. Not that we're looking in the mirror, admiring what we're doing on this side of eternity. And the whole time the Lord's just saying, what a waste. I have sacrificed my own son and implanted my own spirit. Not for you to just to pull an earthly double front bicep, but that you would seek and you would discipline yourself for godliness. Things that are true, that really matter, instead of chasing the newest fads <clears throat> or theories or myths. That's what verse 7 is saying. Don't get caught up in what really doesn't matter right now. 
you were to translate verse, verse 7, it would be conspiracy theories. It would be all the fads out there. All the things that gets our mind distracted and get caught up. I'm saying turn off the TV and start disciplining ourselves for godliness. Amen? Open, open the word of life. Feast on the bread of life. And let the Spirit wash over you like living waters. And I promise you don't just have to hope and to, and to want. It can actually be a reality. You guys write this down. We're almost done. The only way to Christian maturity travels the persistent road of spiritual disciplines. The only way to Christian maturity. The only way. I'm talking about road. Travels the persistent road of spiritual disciplines. And that's the key for any discipline. Because to do something for the sake of doing it, you know it's drudgery. But living for Jesus is not dread and drudgery. But if you lose focus of why you're seeking the disciplines, it will get boring. You'll fall out of it. But if you can see the end game, oh man, it is not an inconvenience. You get up every morning going, I get to pursue the giver of life today. I get to have a relationship, the one that flung out the stars and lit the babies on fire. I get a chance to be in his presence today. I'll do whatever it takes because I have tasted, I've seen that the Lord is good. Went to Truett for a couple of years up in Cleveland, Georgia. That time I was dating Debbie and um, I needed some date money if people weren't going to let us eat for free and it was a two and a half hour ride I had to go all the way through you know down 365 something through Gainesville 211 through Winder Houston Bethlehem fight the traffic in Winder Monroe social circle you know, they come through the Pony Express. There was always a traffic jam. She lived in Jasper County, and I just cannot wait to get there. But never once was it drudgery. Never once did I leave Cleveland and dread the ride. Why? Because I knew that when I pulled up at 144 Spearman Road, which was the pastorium, her daddy was a pastor, and I pulled up out of my 97 Sebring Coupe. Can I get a witness? Four-cylinder, whoo! I was going to step out, and she was going to walk out, and I was going to see that little blonde hair and green eyes. I couldn't wait to get there. And we got pulled over a couple times. It was, it, was, it, was, it was the pursuit of something magnificent that led me to make that drive, and I would drive it. Sometimes I would drive it a couple times a week. See, when you understand that seeking Godliness and holiness in 2023 is leading somewhere. It's not drudgery. You'll be happy to make the pursuit, but godliness only comes through discipline. Not Planet Fitness, not Peloton, not, not counting steps, not counting points, but something much more critical to help which is the spiritual disciplines. If you, if you survey some of the greatest spiritual servants of Christ, you're going to see one constant. They were spiritually disciplined. Martin Luther, John Calvin, Augustine, George Mueller, 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Billy Graham. Some of the greatest movements and missionaries of God is one constant. They are all spiritual discipline. Church, nothing was ever achieved without disciplines. The undisciplined are like the playwright George Kaufman who was listening to a sales pitch for a gold mine promoter. And the salesman was praising the productivity of the mine and he was hoping that Kaufman would buy in. And the salesman said this, why it's so rich you can pick up the chunks of gold from the ground. And Kaufman said, so you're telling me I have to bend down. (laughs) What I want you to know is the gold of godliness is implanted in us through His Spirit, through Christ Jesus. But it's under the surface. And if you're walking around 2023 just kind of looking for something nonchalantly, and you think that a closer walk with thee is you're just going to be able to hold your hands out and it's going to fall, that's just unrealistic. Because the beauty of the gospel, if it were so surface, it wouldn't be very valuable. Anything of value is under the surface. And what is more valuable than the King of Kings and and being in the presence with the Lord of Lords? Nothing. So what do we do as a church? We go down the road called disciplines together. And we lock in and we bend over and we lean down and we dig for it. Because he's worthy. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is worth leaning down for. And so this morning, I just want to simply challenge us to do a couple of things together. If there's a sin of omission, confess it this morning. Ask the Lord to give you a a renewed spirit so that you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Let's do business with the living God so that we can lock in and we can move forward. Hey, maybe I not planned on coming back next week. I encourage you to do that. And the week after that. And the week after that. Be disciplined enough to prepare Saturday night like there was a big game about to come on. I mean, there's preparations made. I already had to put my wing order in two days ahead of time. <laughs> Am I lying? No. I prepared myself. You know what? How often do we prepare ourselves for earthly things, but we never give spiritual things a time of day? And then we look around and wonder why we're dry, high and dry. So maybe you just want to simply say, Lord, help me to be more disciplined this year in 2022 at Church 213. Be a bringer. Whatever God lays on your heart, do business with it this morning, whatever that may be. And I promise you, he will not be found unfaithful. Let's pray together. Church, Lord, what discipline and order we see in this place through your word. Lord, you have ordered our steps today. You are a God of order. God, the example of your son, the Lord Jesus, is one of discipline and intentionality. So, Father, I pray that you would prick hearts and minds this morning, that they would be convicted, Lord, to omit things out of their life and to submit some things into their life 
God, this will be a year that does more than want and hope for families. Lord, this will be the year through discipline that godliness is transferred in a special way to so many homes in this place. And so, God, I pray that when we fall short of those disciplines each day, that we would move forward in grace. We would simply ask for forgiveness and we would keep our eyes focused on the prize of heaven. And that would inspire us to make a good run and keep the line tight every day in humble expectation of what you're going to do in us and through us. God, we are just praising you this morning for your goodness. God, why do you love us? It's because you're holy. And you have created us to love you. And so never once do you let go of us, Father. And so, God, in the next few minutes, I pray that this place would be full of your praise and exaltation because you are worthy of it. And you would work in us and you would change hearts. You would change minds for your glory. God, if there's someone in here this morning that has no active walk with you because they don't know you through the sacrifice of your son, that this would be the moment that they step out and come forward and give their life to Jesus and make a profession of faith. God, I ask you that you would stir hearts so that these waters will be stirred this year, Lord. That we would see homes transformed because hearts have been touched by the gospel. God, is your word that draws us in and convicts us and turns our heart away from investments into earthly things, but that spurs us on and blows fresh wind in our hearts for godly things that last for all of eternity. So, Father, I pray that someone would give their life to you before it's everlasting too late. God, if there's people here standing at the crossroads of a decision, God, give them conviction, but yet give them courage to make a move. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.